Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Jason and and Uncle Jimmy, of course. There you go. He's always here. Say what you Happy Tuesday. America or fearless America. I hope you're telling your friends to join the fearless army because we're just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. We need you and your friends to go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock and join the fearless army. Hit that like button. Hit that like button. Likes, leave a comment, subscribe, do all of that. All right. (laughs) We have a cash app. (laughs) We have a fantastic audible show we're calling today where it's going to just be you and me baby you me and uncle jimmy uh am i going to do work the camera (laughs) (laughs) perhaps uh i'm going to start a fire though and i'm going to do it off not off the top of my head but something i've been giving a lot of thought it's going to be a little less unscripted young people call it off the dome yeah, off the, off the top of the head, off the dome. And it's about something I've been feeling for the past month or two, or maybe even longer, maybe for the past year. Yes? No, 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 no. Uh, this is on a very serious note, Jim. Save the jokes for about, give me two minutes, no jokes. Uh, consequences and the elimination of consequences. I, I wrote a column today for The Blaze about NBA free agency and, and whatnot. And it, it was about the NBA and the lack of consequences for the NBA basically turning on its fan base and on traditional sports fans. Okay. But I also saw this morning uh, that Simone Biles, the, the Olympian, the face of the Tokyo Olympians, Olympics, the, the, the woman, the 24 year old woman, American woman who basically quit on the team competition and then bowed out of a bunch of the individual competitions. She made her return to the Olympics last night, Jim, in the beam and finished in third place. Okay. And America is celebrating her third place finish, and it's one of the most courageous things I think has ever been done in sports. Simone Biles had had tapped out because of mental stress, according to her, her headspace not being in the right place. She couldn't perform because, you know, her headspace was all wrong. And now that she's come back and finished third with the bronze medal, well, hallelujah, it's one of the greatest uh, most courageous things. The mental toughness she just displayed is absolutely incredible. Are my two minutes up? <laughs> Not quite yet. Okay. 
absolutely incredible, her finishing in third. And I don't want to – look, man, I couldn't come in one millionth place at any Olympic event. I don't want to denigrate her third place finish. But this whole celebration of, like, it's incredible. She tapped out. She's admitted in her post – performance press conference yesterday there was nothing physically wrong with her she just mentally wasn't in the right headspace and and she said a couple things that I found interesting I want to read full quotes from what ESPN reported her saying yesterday uh, and and then I want to react to a couple of them it wasn't easy pulling out of all those competitions people just thought it was easy but I physically and mentally was not in the right headspace, and I didn't want to jeopardize my health and my safety because at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. My mental and physical health is above all medals that I could have ever win that I could ever win. So to be clear, to do being, which I didn't think I was going to be, I was going to be just meant the world to be back out there. And I wasn't expecting to walk away with the medal. I, and this is the key word, I was just going out there doing this for me. And I know where you think I'm gonna go, like, oh, it's narcissistic. She's just doing this for me. She's not doing it for Family, she's not in service to her team. She's not doing it to represent the country. She's doing this for me. The Olympics traditionally have been much bigger than the individual. You go out there and compete, of course you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it to represent your country, uh, to honor all the people who have helped you along the way, in this day and age to honor the financial contributions and support you've gotten from your sponsors. She's saying she's doing this for me. It is a touch narcissistic. It is a touch selfie millennial generation. It, it, it is all of those things, but I also think it's a window into her soul. And the window being that being that she has been tugged in so many different directions over the past five, six years of her Olympic career and tugged in so many directions since being a child because many of these Olympians start at age four, five, six, whatever, and they devote their life to this. They have to, uh, they have to maintain a certain weight and do all kinds of things and it's a big sacrifice. And so at the end of this, all she wants to do is something for herself. And so I'm almost thinking she's putting together an argument. The window into her soul is that there's something about the Olympic process. And it makes me quite, is there something about the American process that when you run the gauntlet, when you do all these things that in order to be great in America, is the end result that you become a selfish narcissistic person? Have you made so many sacrifices in pursuit of athletic greatness that the only landing spot for you as an individual is to become a narcissist? 
is to become only about you. Maybe I'm not sitting here calling Simone Biles a bad person. I'm questioning or wondering about the process to greatness here in America, or maybe anywhere in the world, the kind of sacrifices you have to make, and then all the, but I think it's unique here in America and maybe in a few other countries, is that so many people jump on your back when you're pursuing and you're close to greatness. So many, so many corporations jump on your back and want a piece of you and want to ride your elevator to greatness in promotion of their product, that it just makes you a very cynical, narcissistic, selfish person. That's what I'm hearing from Simone Biles. One of the consequences of greatness in American sports with all the pressure you get from corporations and all the directions you get pulled and everybody trying to benefit off of your success from the media to your parents, to friends, to corporations, to everybody wants a piece of the Simone Biles pie. And at the end of that, she's been so picked apart that she becomes very narcissist and it's not about the team. It's not about America. It's only about Simone Biles. That perhaps is one of the consequences to sports greatness. What they're also <laughs> coupled with that, and this is why this thing, the NBA thing, I, I wrote this morning, and I wish that I had had uh, the ability to tie these two things together in my column, but I, I didn't. I didn't think of it until much later when I was thinking about Simone Biles and reading up on her. But in, in pro sports at this time, it, it's become more like Hollywood, where there are no consequences mm. regardless of what you do as a professional athlete or as a sports league as long as you promote the right message. Ooh. And so the NBA has pissed on its fan base, has gone, the, NBA, the NFL pissed on its fan base, okay. has gone completely woke, has gone completely anti-American, has disavowed all of the uh, normal values that are attached to sports the patriotism, the support for law enforcement. Uh, again, the, pro, the, the national anthem. The, there's a reason why we played the national anthem at the beginning of sporting events in America. Th that was to attach sports to Americana and to, to, to make people think of sports and competing in sports as the ultimate celebration of American values. Never quit. Uh, if you sacrifice for others, sacrifice for your team, uh, and for the good of everyone else, everybody benefits. These are the values, and there are some people listening say, America was never like that, it's all a hoax, it's all a scam. Nah, that's not true. Uh, America's flawed like everybody else and ev everything else on the planet. But 
there was a time in America and, and, and America struck, became great because of that time when people did sacrifice for others and the benefit of others. And people, I can see people, the cynics, the wokes, the, the people that pander to social media, oh, not in racist America. Yes, in racist America they did. Go back and look at the hundreds of thousands of people who sacrificed their lives in the Civil War so that Jason Whitlock and Jimmy Dodds could live free. Well, many of those people were white people and they knew exactly what they were doing. The overwhelming majority of those people were white people. They knew exactly what they were doing. Go read, play, or listen to the Battle Hymn of the Republic where the soldiers were actually singing a song that acknowledged they were sacrificing their lives so that others could live free. So don't, you know, everybody wants to point to America's tragedies and point, oh my God, America's terrible. They did this, they did that. People don't want to talk about what America and Americans did in order to increase freedom here in this country more than any other country on the planet. We did that. But, and so what I'm saying, sports have, wa have walked away from all of that. And those of us that have always liked the values preached in sports have seen NBA, NFL players and Major League Baseball, NHL, the National Hockey Association, they've all pissed on those traditional American values. They haven't suffered any consequences. And I say that because NBA free agency started on Monday. And it's a great reminder to me that NBA players have seen their ratings decline, their relevance and traction decline. Uh, people haven't really been attending games the last two years. There's been all, they've done all kinds of damage to their league but they haven't suffered the consequences for that. We have the entertainment world, which now, and I've said this for many years to friends of mine about uh, sport, professional sports. They're just TV shows. They're just movies. Tom Brady's just playing a role on a reality TV show called the NFL. Mm. And what, and if you go look at Hollywood and the movie and TV industry, they have eliminated consequences for bad product. Hollywood over the past decade, at least the past decade, has been serving up trash movies for at least a decade. Movies that bomb at the box office, are poorly written, uh, you know, are, are Anybody with a brain would be like, wow, this is a trash movie. They've all declined. No one cares. Everybody's still getting paid. Everybody's getting paid more money. I, I, I wrote about today, Alex Caruso, relating this back to sports, the Lakers, backup point guard, little bald white dude with the headband. He got a four-year $37 million contract from the Chicago Bulls. He averaged six points last year. Four years, 
$37 million. Every, they're making it rain on p- players all across the NBA. People, there, there was some dude, and I'm a sports fan. Shea, have you heard of Shea Gilgeson Alexander or something like that? Plays for Oklahoma City. I think that's Ice Cube, son. <laughs> he got a $172 million contract this week. Is my two minutes up? <laughs> Not quite. Uh, he got $172 million. I can't, I can't let it rain on me for $100 million. <laughs> and I'm Good like, God. Magic Johnson played 13 years, and I understand inflation, and I understand times have changed. And Magic Johnson made like 25 million over his career in 13 years, and Shea, somebody who Alexander, whatever, is getting 172 from Oklahoma City. Where the hell Oklahoma get 100 million dollars from? And so, if I'm an NBA player, and you sat and listened to guys like me, people over social media. Oh, you're taking a dump on the NBA. We're not watching anymore. You're going to learn. We've been wagging our fingers at these guys. The customer's always right. You're going to learn a tough lesson. You're going to learn today, Whitlock. Yeah, yeah. But again, we've been telling the athletes that this dumb stuff they've been doing in turning off the traditional sports fan, sabotaging their domestic appeal and television ratings and jersey sales and all of that, we've been wagging our finger at them. Oh, you're going to pay a price for that stupidity. No, they haven't. Jim, they've paid no price in their, look, who knows? Maybe if they had done the right thing, instead of $172 million, the Shea guy would have gotten $230 million. He don't know, nor does he care. This is all monopoly money to me and, and to, to them and me. And, and what has happened in all forms of entertainment is that we've printed so much money in America. We just print it, print it, print it, print it, print it money. It doesn't matter whether the NBA product is any good. It doesn't matter if the fans, the customers enjoy the product. The games are not presented for us, the fan. They're presented as a marketing tool, and, and they've always been this way. It's always been this way, but it's just more pronounced now. They're presented to benefit major corporations, international corporations, and are you on message with the globalist agenda? And so it was like a realization to me, or confirmation of a realization, because Jim, I, I said on, I said on the Fox lot when we worked at Fox Sports, this had to be about five years ago, and there was an executive I was very close to. He's no longer there at Fox now, so don't, I don't want to attach this to anybody that's at Fox because he's, really, he's legitimately not there. But we sat out in that little outdoor area at Fox Sports, and I can remember he sat and he goes, man, when, when do you think this woke shit's going to end? And we sat there and guessed, oh, it's probably got another two years, maybe, maybe 18 months, but it's all going to boomerang and it's going to come back and, and reality's going to set in. And that was five years ago we had this conversation. And, I'm, and, and when I look up and see NBA free agency and everybody getting paid and the NBA just 
marching on like nothing ever happened, like the bubble and all the Black Lives Matter messaging and the big F you that they gave all traditional sports fans. LeBron James running around, oh my God, I'm getting hunted every day, America's racist, I'm out of Arbery, could have been me. I could have been jogging through an empty house uh, like I'm out of Arbery. They've just taken a total dump on their fan base and they've paid no consequence. They're laughing at us. You know, you know what happened to LeBron James if he went running through a neighborhood and some white people seen him? What? They run up and ask him for an autograph. autograph. Thank you. Yeah. But, but, but there's just no consequences. And, and, and I analogize this. I saw it uh, in Hollywood because I like movies. And I remember I had that great IPIC theater two blocks from me uh, in my, uh, where I lived on the Wilshire Corridor in L.A. Right. And, and I used to love to go. And then literally around 2012, 2013, I kept saying, damn, why are all these movies just horrible? Every movie I go to, I'm walking, I'm walking out of. Halfway through, 25% of the way through, it's like, man, they ripping me off. It's not the same. These, because these, I have a high threshold and I'm a critic, but it's like, these movies are terrible. And I can, I can remember every, when 12 Years a Slave came out and, and everybody's just ranting and raving about, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. This is 10 times better than Roots. I, I, heard, I heard Bill Maher say that on TV, how much better 12 Years a Slave was than Roots and all this. B- Bill Maher said it. Bill Maher said it. The white guy. Yes. Okay, well, he, 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 he's qualified. <laughs> said it was better. And I'm like, and so I go watch it, and it was terrible. It was just a bunch of uh, slavery brutality scenes strung together. There's no story. There's no nothing tugging at your heartstrings, nothing that made you uh, root really for, of course, you're rooting for. Solomon Northrup to be free or whatever, but you're not really rooting for anybody because they haven't connected you. And, and again, this is why I found it was so crazy. I'm, I'm off on a tangent here, but this is why I found it so crazy about comparing it to Roots. It's like, man, they made you love Kunta Kinte. When you saw Kunta running, when he finally got up enough yeah. to run and get away, you was rooting for Kunta to run. And when they bought Kunta back and chopped Kunta's foot off, you cried. Literally, like up, you cry when they whipped him on the on the deal. What say your say your name, Toby? Blah blah. You cry all of Kizzy, all of it. They connected to Twelve Years a Slave had no humanity, no emotion, no nothing, and they're calling it the, one of the greatest movies of all time, given the Oscars. And that's when I started saying, man, they don't care about the product. They just want a message put out. And the message they want put out in Hollywood is that America's evil. And then there's another message, and this as it relates to black content or whatever, the other message is that black men are gay and <laughs> uh, they, they want that put out. You don't have a lot, but you, but, but you don't have a lot of black men stepping up saying, that's not true. And I'm a t- the movie that the the movie this was I think in 2016 when they came out with Moonlight Moonlit Moonlight oh, that. whatever oh I went to, I went to, it's one of the movies I walked out of it was just stupid but the whole point of it was like look at this young black gay dude and 
his first experience and all this other. Yeah, I, I've only seen about half the movies. I just heard about the rest. But anyway, I, I just and I look now at professional sports. And they have been turned into Hollywood. Now I am completely 100 percent accurate. Pro sports are just like Hollywood. The message far out, uh, far is far more important than the product. No one, the NBA is hot garbage. For, and look, I enjoyed some of the playoffs, but they shoot too many damn threes. It's not as good as what it used to be. That's not some old man shouting at the clouds. That's just facts. They don't compete the way they used to. People sit out games whenever they're tired or whatever. And look, maybe they are all smarter than Dr. J and all the guys from the old days who did foolish things. And these guys are all protecting themselves. I don't care. It's not as competitive. It's not as good. And the message, when you look, take the NFL, my favorite sport. These guys are afraid to hit each other. The, the, all the rules have softened the game. The consequences for going over the middle as a receiver, eliminated. The consequences for holding on to the ball too long as a quarterback, eliminated. You, you got to ask the quarterback to fall to his knees now. Hey, I'm back here. I could tackle you, but just take a knee. I, I that what Colin Kaepernick did? I can't hit you too hard. Exactly. It's, there's a lack of, and, and I guess I sound kind of defeatist today. I, I sound like I'm, I'm giving up. But that's kind of, it's like the other side, has, maybe they've won this. I, I started talking last week about these cultural changes and, and, and how quickly they happen. And they happen right before your eyes and you don't even realize like, damn, things have changed. Overnight. And Simone Biles quits. The next day, she's a hero for taking the bronze. She's celebrated. Look out for yourself, girl. This ain't about, screw America, screw your teammates, screw anybody else. This is about you. And I look at professional sports. The NBA, the NFL in particular, Major League Baseball is part of all of it. Hell, NASCAR went woke. Damn. Damn. It's, a, it's, it's all about message, not about product, and I don't know if we can ever recover. Those of us that have been sitting around like, ah, <laughs> oh, if we're just patient, they're going to learn. It's going to come back our way. I don't think it is, Jim. We just... I, those of us thinking it's going to return to the good old days, and I guess now that I'm... I'm saying this out loud and listening to what I'm actually saying. This whole make America great again. There you go. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. I got to see it's written down right here. They don't want to talk about what done made America great. They don't want to talk about it. Because all that the consequences of what made America great because there used to be consequences for doing dumb stuff. There used to be consequences for not giving a full effort. There used to be, if you pissed the customer off, there used to be consequences for that. Consequences are what made America great. 
You did enough dumb stuff, you died. Your business died. Your earning ability died. Now, what did Martin Luther King do? Uh, was it in Memphis with, with, with the transportation? What, what did he say? He said it was consequences for how you're treating black people. What did he say? We ain't going to ride the bus no more. It was consequences. Boycotts don't work because, because I'm just anymore because we just printed so much money. It's like somebody just say, ah, don't worry. China's got that. I know, I know your American <laughs> audience is dipped or wow. Nike. I, I think Nike and major corporations are just, it doesn't matter whether we attend games, whether we watch games, whether we buy jerseys, whether we do anything. There's a group of elites and if you hit the genetics lottery and can get into their little elite group of pro athletes, or if you get on enough casting couches and can become a big time actor or actress and get into the little circle of elitism, they're going to take care of you as long as you stay on message. That, that takes me all the way to, it's going to be very, I asked today over Twitter, you think they're going to press charges on Andrew Cuomo, we, the, the, the New York State's attorney in, in, in New York? No. Just announced that he broke several laws sexually harassing people. Be very interesting if, if there's charges coming from that. But anyway, now, Jim, now you have the two minutes is up. If you got some jokes or I, I, I don't know, I've given you a lot to I've given I've given myself a lot to think about. Um. First of all, you're not going to like what I'm getting ready to say, and I'm going to be very serious. Uh, regarding Simone Biles, I think that her actions are just simply kind of whorish. Who? Whorish. That's my word. And I don't mean that to You got to justify that. Okay, I'm getting ready to. That, that's what I, because I, I think that her actions are that of a media whore. That's what I call Tom Brady. That's what I call LeBron James. See... Tom Brady can't let you watch an NBA final without tweeting out to get his name in it. LeBron James can't watch Tom Brady win a Super Bowl without tweeting something out. See, Simone Bowles couldn't let... See, she thought she was going to stop the Olympics. But when she found out that one furry animal don't stop no show, she realized she had to jump back because she had to get her name in it. See, in other words, this ain't like she said, this is about me. I need me. You, you, you know, this is this is what we need. Madonna said it best 35 years ago. Madonna said Madonna and she taught this to Dennis Rodman, said it's about pimping out yourself. See, we can talk about what you know, you, you're talking about what's happening in America, what's happening in sports, what's happening in movies. And it's real simple. It's all being controlled by the advertisers. You're talking about the big money. These are the people paying the athletes. These are big name agendas. These are the people that are paying for the commercials. And this is what we're getting because we've sold ourselves out. And these people have let you be known. Hey, we will do this for a price, too. My problem, Jim, is it feels like we have no recourse. We... the average American sports fan, we have no way of pushing back. They, I, I, I did watch the NBA playoffs, but I didn't watch an NBA regular season game. Not one. And I, maybe I'm the sucker, literally, because I'm trusting. 
They don't care that they lost me. And they don't care if they, they don't care if they don't replace me. They'll be the, oh, we'll, we'll replace them with these woke sports fans. No, you won't. Woke people don't like sports. Remember four years ago, or five years ago? Not remember? at the same level. Remember everybody, I'm boycotting the NFL. And they did. I really do believe. I believe the NFL lost a significant chunk of their fan base. Do it look like the NFL care? No, they don't. Okay. Now, there, there you go. And that, I, I will be the first to admit it. There are probably some leftists out there watching this. Uh, Whitlock, this is the whole problem with people like Whitlock and his age, and they just need to accept it or die off. The world has changed, and you're right. Whitlock, you and people that think like you don't matter anymore. Pretty soon. That seems to be the message. And, and, and I'm sitting here saying, and I know there's a bunch of people saying like, hey, man, we paid the cost to be the boss here. This is supposed to be our time. And maybe we didn't. And, and, and maybe that's what, again, as someone who, and I blame myself, who, who poured his life into his career and, and didn't pour enough energy into his personal life and has no kids, Maybe it is on selfish people like me that didn't have kids or selfish people who didn't take enough time investing in their kids. And we turn around and look up at this generation that's ascending and we don't like it. We don't like their values and cultural norms. And that's on us. You know, I tweeted out yesterday. I don't know where it was from. But it was like a bunch of four and five year old kids. I saw that mess, bro. Oh man, grinding on each other to music, twerking, twerking, and all that stuff. And and boys humping on the young girls. Young girls backing it up all. Yeah, four or five year old kids, man. I and and little Jip, that's on us. Each one of them parents. No, 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 no. Need they ass whooped for letting their kids do that mess. I you, get it, but come on, you, man. you can blame those. Parents. Who the hell was vi- who, who video that? Jim, it's on all of us. God. Where did we think this was going when we allowed and when we allowed promoted, celebrated, danced to all that trifling music? I, dude, I was the first person that I knew on Ball State's campus with an NWA cassette tape. Okay, Gangster Gangster, you remember that song? It's 2020, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm still horny. <laughs> Me so horny. I'm just yeah, telling yeah, you. There you all, all of that. We danced and partied to all of that, and I can remember, I can remember the cassette of, of, of N.W.A. and me getting... Back that, back that thing up. Getting my friends in the car, like, listen to this. You heard this? You heard of these dudes, N.W.A.? But where did we think it was going to go? But, but... Now, if I may, when when you heard New Edition, I mean, excuse me, when you heard N.W.A., yeah, tell the truth, something in your soul said, "Oh, we in trouble." Seriously, there was a point when you heard them after police, dun dun. After you was like, "Oh, we in trouble." Jim, I, I I can't. Well, you you knew in the back of your mind. Yeah, you're listening to it, but you knew. From, from, from X-Clan, from all of that to we poor righteous teachers, public enemy, you knew. Oh, we in trouble. I did in terms, by the time I got to age 24, 25, but I'm talking about in college, 
And in I didn't get it. And and it just I didn't get it. By the time I got to 24, 25, 26, because by the time I became a columnist at a newspaper, and stuff, I started writing about like, man, this music is crazy. And I don't know if you remember this, Jim, but this was no, nah, this is even this is before we met. This is had to be 94, 95. When did when did let's get effed up come out? When did that was 95, 6? Yeah. I can remember writing a piece in the Kansas City Star criticizing hip hop music. And Do you remember I, where you heard about that song from? <laughs> but I had to I remember I had to go down to the the Watkins building. <clears throat> Am I getting that right? Nah, that, anyway, there was some building close to the plaza and they hosted Is that where you had the debate? A town hall debate. And I think Big Scoob and a bunch of physics. Hey. Yeah. All came down to this deal to challenge me and to argue about my take on rap. And they were threatening me or whatever. And I, I, at that time, I was a big old idiot, too, so I, I didn't really care. But, but I did start questioning it once I became a journalist. But clearly, I didn't do enough. And we're here now in this crazy, chaotic world and, and I can be mad at the young people all I want, but we failed them. We didn't instill any values in them that would keep the American tradition on course. And hell, maybe there weren't any values instilled in us because, or not enough, because we allowed it. I, I, Whatever the high was coming off the 1960s, it created a level of delusion and immorality that we've never recovered from. I'm just telling you, whatever the drugs and that whole Woodstock, revolutionary, everybody get high, everybody just chill out, free sex, you know, promiscuity, Women, y'all can get down like men. Men, y'all can be even. Get down like women. Go ahead. The whole, we, 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 I feel very cynical today and very sad. And I don't know how I'm sitting, NBA players getting paid. Whitlock's miserable. I can see people ripping me for that. But it's, I'm happy for the players, individually. Alex Caruso, go get that money. Enjoy your life. But damn it, there should have been consequences to the dumb stuff they did, and there's not, and that's a bad sign for America. Let me tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Did you know that more than 80% of the grass-fed beef sold in the United States is imported from overseas? It's truly staggering. That's why I get my meat from GoodRanchers.com. Their product is 100% American. When you buy your steak and chicken from Good Ranchers, not only are you getting ethically raised, sustainably sourced meat, you are also supporting American farmers. All of their product is individually wrapped and vacuum sealed and ready to grill. This helps to eliminate waste. Good Ranchers safely delivers American craft beef and better than organic chicken right to your door. Check out the Family Feast Bundle, which includes steak and chicken if you subscribe you will get $20 off the free express shipping. Get steakhouse quality for less than $5 per meal. Go to GoodRanchers.com, fearless, to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash fearless. 
And Jim, I can't wait. You know, we're getting this, I think they call it a Peloton grill or Peloton grill in the back. And we're going to start cooking right here uh, at the studio. And I can't wait. It's getting hot in here. (laughs) Put some of that good ranches out on the grill. Uh, Have you ever had barbecue shrimp? Of course. That was, that was a dumb question. I'm I've sorry. Had barbecue broccoli, barbecue kale. <laughs> if, it's barbecue, if you can barbecue it, you done had it. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. All right, stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock here, obviously. Fearless with Jason Whitlock. It's time to roll out to Chicago. And bring in Uncle Jimmy's main man. My guy. Your guy, uh, uh, Greg Couch. Wait, 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 wait. Before you bring Greg on, before you bring Greg Greg on, let me just throw this out here. I was watching the show last night uh, on YouTube, uh, and one of the YouTube uh, viewers, uh, Anthony Dillon Jr., okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm looking in the comments section, and in the comments section he puts, Bernie Kozar stunt double, in the house. <laughs> now, I had to like think for a minute, like, what? And then I went back and pulled up a picture of Bernie, Bernie Kozar, and I realized what the hell he did. T- <laughs> look, look. He's got darker hair than Couch, but yeah. Well, Greg's hair used to look like that back in the day. You think so? Yeah, look. He got the same, same indentment in his natural that Greg got in his. <laughs> uh, Couch, I don't know if you can see that picture of. Uh, Bernie Kosar, but has anyone ever said you look like Bernie Kosar? Uh, I don't think people remember Bernie Kosar all that well, but I will say that I was in a bar once, or trying to get into a bar once in Augusta, and I told people I was Ernie Els, and so that got me in, so th- that, worked, that worked pretty well. And I've tried to say that I was Larry Bird once when I was in a bar in Wales, but uh, that no one believed me. But uh, <laughs> no, not Bernie Kosar. That reminds me, the first time I went to Japan, or the only time I went to Japan, I went for the Winter Olympics. They thought you was Godzilla? Yeah, I literally, I told, I told, <laughs> Godzilla! I went into some restaurant where you had to get on your knees and crawl in. <laughs> and, and I told him I was Shaq. <laughs> in, in Japan, I look like Shaq. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> because I'm going to tell you why, real quick. Because I remember riding an Uber with you and the man telling you, oh, you look familiar. You look familiar. You, are you on TV? And you told the man, yeah, you seen me before. I'm Denzel Washington. <laughs> and the man kept looking at you in the rear view mirror, and I'm looking at you like, why did you say that to that man? <laughs> and then he starts going, yeah, yeah, that's you. <laughs> Come on, man. Anyway. Uh, Greg, Greg has more pride than that. He's not going to take those looks. Yeah, yeah. What? He just said he tried to pass himself off as Ernie Els, uh, as Larry Bird. Anyway. Not no damn Demzel. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, Greg has written a column about the newest member of the Chicago Bulls family, Lonzo Ball, but he actually wrote about LeVar Ball uh, coming to Chicago, Lonzo's dad, uh, the, the head of Big Baller brand, I think now defunct Big Baller brand. But, Greg, you think the Windy City and LeVar Ball, perfect match, and maybe we'll get some of the blustery LeVar Ball back, huh? I'd like to see it. I'd like to see LeVar take over Harpo Studio, where Oprah used to be, and, and he can do a whole show on, uh, on how to be a great father. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, LeVar, is, as much of his bluster, look, look, let's start with this. Windy City in Chicago is not called, Chicago is not called the Windy City because of the weather. It's called that because Eastern politicians were sick of hearing Chicagoans brag about themselves all the time. So they just started calling it the Windy City. So LeVar is going to fit perfectly with the history of this city. And, and I like LeVar, actually. I mean, he's easy to make fun of, he's, you know, and he has certainly crossed the line and said offensive things and all. But, you know, I went out to meet him once at his house for a little over an hour, and uh, I just really, I, I found that I surprisingly liked him. He talks just as loud in person in his house alone as he does uh, when he's, you know, screaming for his, his sons on, uh, in the stadium. But I found that I really liked him. And I, the more I thought about him and the things he was showing me in his house, like how he'd make the kids jump off the first step in the stairs. And if they land on their feet, then they can go to their second step and land on their feet, go to the third step. And I remember telling him, you know, most people put a fence there so their kids don't fall down the stairs. And he said, yeah, I put a fence in, but then I want my kids to jump over it. So he had a lot of funny stuff and silly stuff. But in the end, this is a guy who spent his whole life dedicating himself to his kids and, uh, you know, there's worse things than having a father who's that committed, a strong father figure committed to his son. So I, I, I grew to like him. And, I, and uh, as much as he'd bring a lot of baggage with him, I, th I actually am not kidding. I think it would be a pretty good TV show and people would watch it. Listen, I think that my opinion of LeVar has softened over the past year and a half, two years, as LeVar has piped down and just yeah. kind of let his sons do their thing. And, and, and so now it's a lot easier for me to accept, uh, see, acknowledge, celebrate the good part of LeVar Ball. And he, he and his wife certainly have raised some sons that seem to be relatively well-adjusted, particularly for living in the sports bubble the way that they have. Obviously, the one kid, Leangelo, I think it was Leangelo, that had the problems at UCLA. But trust me, I had some problems at Ball State. They just didn't make the news. Mm. Uh, and so I, I, I do think LeVar's commitment to his boys, and I can see why he got lost in the sauce a little bit, because any man who's an athlete and has an ego if they produce three sons that athletically gifted with a chance to be pro basketball players, that's going to screw with your ego. That is going to make you think you can speak anything into existence. And so if you can speak three boys that are damn near good enough to play in the NBA, you can also be like, well, you know what? They're all going to play for the Lakers and they're all going to be better than Magic Johnson. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's so I'm I have caught up to some of you all that were softer on LeVar earlier th th than I was because I didn't like the stuff he was doing early on. But Greg, you wrote about an interesting story of going to their house in terms of he made his sons lay some concrete. Yeah, so his backyard is a like an L shape around the side of his house. And on one side, there's a basketball court and the other side, there's a, um, a swimming pool and a few other things and a couple of pull-up bars and so you know he's bragging about his himself as usual and, and i look down at these pull-up bars and these metal posts are into the concrete and it's the worst concrete job i've ever seen it just looks terrible and and uh, so i said what's with what's with that concrete It's terrible 
And he's, you know, of course he's, you know, he goes, oh yeah, he goes, I made my sons do that. He says, they all did that because I wanted them to learn the lesson that this is what life is like if you're not in the NBA. So this is, this is what real life is. And so he said, I made them do that when they were little kids. They were down there doing it. And yeah, it's terrible. But he says, how bad it is, is still a message to them too. So uh, I, I, like I said, I really liked him. And I know that, I know that LeVar has got a lot of problems, but uh, uh, even that's another message. You know, there was a, I remember when I was leaving, there was a woman in the driveway or out in the street. And see, a lot of the neighborhood kids would come over and play basketball on their court. And they're paying for LeVar's coaching. And there was a woman out there in her car telling me, well, my kid had bad grades. He had no direction. He didn't know what he was doing. And then he started hanging around with some of these ball kids. And they were running up and down this hill together as training. And I brought my son with him. And LeVar said, why don't you get on the track team? And got, and got my son on the track team. And now he's playing basketball. He's track. His grades are going up. And, and he's much better of a person now. So the, the, the woman was just glowing about how great LeVar was. So, uh, you know, I, you know, that's... <laughs> Anytime I talk to groups or whatever about LeVar, I sit here and rave about him, and I know that I'm going way overboard because probably the bigger body of work is is negative, but I, I think that people don't see the positives. I don't think the bigger body of work is negative. I just think he put the negative stuff front and center, and it blotted out all the good stuff that he was doing, and there's just been less of that. And listening to these stories, I, I think LeVar, perfect fit in Chicago. Chicago needs a father figure, uh, someone, you know, in, in that city that represents that. F finally, Greg, though, let's get to the basketball part of it. Lonzo Ball, Chicago Bulls, is he going to make a difference? Is it a, is it a good fit? I mean, it is. Somebody's got to get the ball to Zach Levine, and you know, it's not like this is a super team. But yeah, I don't. I don't think the Bulls need him to score a ton of points. They need him to get the ball up the court and get the ball into the right people's hands. And so, yeah, I think he's a good fit. And I think, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, maybe they're going to be a squeak into the playoffs kind of a team now, unless they can get get more players. But they're not a joke anymore. They've got they've got enough to to actually threaten people. And maybe they can look at the Bucks and just see how you can develop a team and 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 over the course of time. And maybe that's what the Bulls are going to do here. Instead of uh, they're obviously not going to go out and land, you know, James Harden and stuff like that. So maybe this is a the the Bucks are provided a path for the Bulls to get there. Thank you, Greg. Thank it's you, boy, Greg Couch. You got something you want to add, Jim? Hey, man. You know what? Honestly, uh, talking about Levar Ball. Uh, of everyone that we met at Fox, probably the one dude that was the most instrumental or one of the most instrumental just in the Uncle Jimmy character was LeVar Ball, you know? Why do you say that? Because, you know, you had this thing that you always, we had this thing that I always, you, every, I always took a picture with the guests with yeah. whatever costume I had on. Well, that day we had LeVar Ball on, I had a damn Donald Duck costume on. <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't want to take the picture. I'm like, man, I want to take a picture, but forever I'm going to have on this Donald Duck costume. And he actually, he calls me in his dressing room. He's man, get in here and sit down. And I sat down and he takes the Donald Duck head. And I actually have a picture of him putting the Donald Duck head on. And he just told me, he said, man, look, whatever you do, when you go out here in front of this camera, you give the people what, and he, he goes into this LeVar Ball voice, but then he goes back and just, in other words, he was showing me that there's two LeVar Balls, and I got a chance to see that other LeVar Ball. I got a chance to see that LeVar Ball that 
talked about how much work that he put in to his three sons, even, even down to choosing the mother that he was going to breed with. You know, I mean, I like this dude because he was somebody that I hated on TV. But man, I like that dude. I, I, you've taken me off in a, in a bit of a different direction that I didn't plan to go. But, but I'm glad you brought it up because LeVar Ball was very calculated in who he chose to have kids with. And I salute him for that. And people need to recognize and understand that because I, I think we think that marriage is, oh, man, she thrilled me. Or, oh, I find her attractive. Or, uh, man, she can cook. And, and LeVar Ball, like a lot of intelligent people. Man, she's white. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying some people like that. I'm just, yeah. I, yeah but LeVar Ball, to me, made a business decision. Calculated decision. Yes. And he was, he's an athlete. That's what he said. His wife was an athlete. That's what he said. She's tall. He's tall. And again, when you, these things matter. Go look at the stats of the advantages of being six foot two or taller across the globe. It's not just here in America. Be, there are privileges to being tall and leadership CEOs, I think are mostly six foot two or taller. There are major advantages. And again, I'm not dumping on uh, short people, but no, no offense taken, but go ahead. You should try to put some thought into who you lay down with. And then it's like, cause again, I get, I don't know if he went there with you, but again, like, is she going to be committed to being a mother? Or is she he committed to making as he much? She was committed to the plan. Yes. Making as much money as she possibly could or, or he's, you know. Again, th there's a game plan that you should go into when it comes to reproducing children and things. And most people think, oh, well, I love the person and that's good enough. No, it's not. He was married to her, though. Yeah, I know. There you go. That, that's step one. Yes. That, that, that's important. Very important. And probably... I, you know, total speculation on my part, but I, he probably chose a woman whose parents were together. Wow. And <laughs> a woman who like grew up with some reverence for her dad. Wow. And because if you don't get those ingredients and you got somebody that's second guessing your game plan constantly or second guessing our game plan constantly, or someone who will jump ship on our game plan because, oh, it didn't get off to the start, or it hit an iceberg, or whatever. Anyway, he just took you off on a little bit of tangent. That's it, and that's all for us. We'll see you tomorrow.
Raise up your 